0: Five, five four, four, four three, three two, two one hello good morning and welcome to rum doings episode 126 unfortunately we've forgotten in the last few episodes to give people our contact details so nobody's gotten in touch with us which is very sad it is sad isn't it those contact details are podcast at rumdoings.com or you can use what i believe the youth of today are calling quote twitter unquote at rumdoings isn't that david cameron on twitter that david cameron's on twitter he promised at the last election if you remember that he wouldn't because he i believe he said something too like, many
1: twits makes a twat
0: Yes, too many twits makes a twat. Uh, therefore, he's now admitting that uh, he's indeed one, which is, yes. which is good. It's perspicacious of him. Mm. Hmm. So I heard the news yesterday, oh boy, that in order for people to get a council tax exemption, if they're poor, they will have to go to the gym in Westminster. This There's is true. Fatties,
1: Fatties can't have council tax.
0: Uh, Well, now, what's interesting about that is for it to work, you'd have to make sure that when they went to the gym, they undertook some strenuous training and didn't just sit and watch television or sit in the sauna. Uh, So there would have to be special council commandants pushing bayonets into the back of these fat, lazy (laughs) people to make sure that they were running on their treadmill or doing their weightlifting. So. It's one of those policies where you suddenly realise that the political class is in fact brain damaged and should be put out of its misery. How should we do that? Um, With a lot of glitter. I say glitter because I've got quite a bit of it at the moment and I think it is probably toxic. Okay. In, in the and uh, the abundance that we have at the moment, I'm staring at a Christmas tree that Judith made at nursery. That's got lots of glitter falling off it, rather like needles fall off a real Christmas tree. Oh, how apposite! How apposite! Did you have a lovely crumble?
1: The topic this week, yes, Nick is. Mm-hmm. Hey, Nick. Mm-hmm. What are your New Year's resolutions?
0: You asked that, but I suddenly realise I don't have any because Good. I'm just continuing doing what I did before, really.
1: And I also prefer to think that it's possible for people to ex- execute change in their lives without a sort of date change.
0: Yeah, but that's a little bit of a banal way of saying it, isn't it? Because actually having milestones, even if they're arbitrary and indeed goalposts, is very psychologically useful. So you're just being naughty.
1: No, I think you're completely incorrect, I think, by having... A one date in the year when you make change, you set yourself up to fail because you try to do too much at once, and then you go, Oh, I can't be really bothered. Then you try and do something next year. Whereas if you don't have such a ridiculous
0: idea in mind,
1: then you can just change things as you go along, nice and gently.
0: How's your Crimble? Well, you know. I don't well I do a little I asked Laura whether it was the best one ever and she said it wasn't
1: no she didn't she said she's not psychic so she can't tell you
0: no and then I said here to four to try I know she was trying to weasel her way out of saying how <laughs> awful she found her Christmas with you but I, said, <laughs> but I said okay I will put a constraint on that question and say here to four and then there was just some general Midlands mumbling after that
1: <laughs> it was um, it was fine it was very, Laura's parents came down on Christmas Day and they were it f- uh, was fine and pleasant and I cooked lunch and it seemed to go well and then we went to my parents' unboxing day, and that was fine and pleasant too. So it was fine. It was all fine. fine.
0: Well, you know, I'm not a big fan of Christmas.
1: It was nice nice seeing the parents of various sorts, and everyone got on well, and there were no issues or grumbles or anything. So
0: We had some issues. Because, what did you have? Well, we went up to Victoria's sister in Durham, and it's a it's their new house, and, you, and it's a new build house as well. So you know it's a bit like a new car,
1: hmm. where,
0: you know, first scratch and all that. So we turned up, and the very first thing Victoria wanted to do, you know, it'd been a long drive, she wanted to go and have a shower in our guest bedroom, which has its own ensuite with Gosh. shower. Isn't that lovely? So she went in the shower, and I and her sister and her sister's partner were, were downstairs. And she stood under in the lounge and she said, Hmm, it, 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 that shower's making a lot of noise, isn't it? In fact, I can hear some sort of trickling. Oh, no. Watery sound oh, I'm not sure that that sound is really what we always hear when somebody has a shower up there. Oh, goodness, it sounds like a bit of a waterfall. And then we hear squealing from upstairs. (laughs) And the shower had overflowed the tray, even though it was an enclosed area, and had managed to seep through to the rest of the bathroom, flood of the bathroom, and was now making its way through the floor to the roof (laughs) of the lounge, which which is good. Um the reason it had happened is apparently the little the tiny little um drain in the shower had become clogged, and it 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 was designed to become clogged because it trapped hairs because God forbid hair should go down the drain, mm-hmm. and that little the little trap which had about an aperture of a half a centimetre had become full, thus the tray became full, thus it overflowed, so that set the scene for the rest of Christmas. <laughs> Were there no forgiveness? I don't know, really. I mean, ostensibly there was. But I bet you in reality they're currently plotting her execution as we speak. It seems likely.
1: I didn't have any interesting disasters or anything like that, no. I'm afraid. Sorry, podcast people. Really? Yeah. But houses, talking of houses and new builds, Laura and I are looking to stop Well, we're, we're, we're kind of beginning to start looking to move house to buy a house
0: right and so Um, i i heard about this yesterday what led to this sudden desire it's not sudden at all we've been saving up for quite a while what led to this sudden desire (laughs) do you
1: remember a few years ago when you you swore a life oath you 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 play you play bled into a little cup and you promised Uh you would never ever in your whole life have a mortgage
0: yes and now you do Well, I had a specific reason to make that pledge, and that I didn't want to be in hock to somebody. But then I realized after renting several houses that you're even more of a serf if you rent. Yes. Uh, And so I realized one is always trapped, unless one is George Osborne and has been given a massive number of properties and a trust. And thus, I would prefer that every year I become slightly less trapped than... With a rental system where I'll be the same amount of trapidness forever,
1: yeah, I think you're right, and the, the, the sense of just flushing money down the drain every month with renting to gain with no progress, no sense of gaining anything is a little daunting.
0: Also, it's nice to think that one can do what one wants to the house and not have somebody else have to worry about yes. it. Yes. Oh, you decorated that in a way we didn't want, or you knocked down that wall and we didn't want you to do that. Now it's our problem, not somebody yes, else's. Yes, I'm very excited about
1: the prospect of that. But here's the dilemma we don't want to move into a new build. No, of course not. Because awful places. Exactly. Sorry, now, of sorry, course, Alice.
0: You, can, you, can, you can think
1: of them as a blank template onto which you place your own character.
0: You can if you are hopelessly deluded, yeah.
1: Yes. But so what we'd much prefer is a character place, especially in Bath, which is great because there's tons of, you know, half the houses are way older than 100 years. In Mm -hmm. fact, we nearly rented, uh, a couple of years ago, we nearly rented um, a 17th century house. 1701 it was built. Um, But unfortunately, the lady who owned it messed us around at the last minute and pulled out, which was a shame.
0: Technically, if it was built in 1701, it's an 18th century house. Yes, you're correct. I I lied. Mm, You're a damn liar and you'll be going to hell for it. For that.
1: Um, Mm. So, you know, there's lots of prospects like that. But of course, then we we need, you know, we need room. And so it's that horrible dilemma. If we could get a big, maybe even four bedroom new build. Why do you need room? Because I work from home. So? Well, I need to work... Why do you need four bedrooms? I don't need, we don't need four bedrooms at all. What I'm saying is, you know, we could, we could almost, they become almost affordable in the ghastly new builds up in horrible
0: areas like Southdown. Don't be ridiculous. Just get a two bedroom house.
1: No, we, we can't have a two bedroom. That won't work. Why not? Because I need a study. And what if one day we
0: were to poo out a baby? Well, that can then sleep with you in your room. That's not a permanent older. solution. And then it can go into the second bedroom.
1: No, the second bedroom is my
0: study where I work. Well, the study can be downstairs in the lounge. No, it can't. Uh, with a little table. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria does her typing in the lounge in a little table.
1: Well, that's ridiculous since you've got a study room. Mm. She prefers it. Well, that's fine
0: for her, but I need for my job because I spend all they my No, you don't day. need. No, you don't need. No, actually, let's be clear. You, you won't suddenly... Starve or suffocate if you <laughs> don't have a special little enclosing walls called John's study. That won't no, I will. Actually. My mitochondria will break down. Oh, right. Sorry, your telomeres will suddenly shrink to nothing. That's true. Fair enough. So no, but it's, you know,
1: you need to to, to remain sane as a mid thirties adult podcaster. I'm You need to be able to shut the door on your job, mm-hmm. and that's really important. So if, well, I've spent I'd love too many to be able years. to do
0: that. Sorry, I can't. I can't do that. Yes, you can. How exactly? Tell me. You leave your office. Uh, I'm. W- I work from home all the time. The support queue is always there. I get alerts. I know it's or... your
1: own fault that you let your job haunt you twenty four seven when you're not on call. That's your problem.
0: Mm, I do uh... the same. I mean, the Rock Paper Shotgun
1: is always there, and I'm constantly working on it at three in the morning and ridiculous times. And new stories break at you know ten thirty at night, and I have to go back upstairs and start up again. and
0: mm. Yes. Did you Did you f- find that? Um, your colleagues looked after it well while you were away. I haven't been away. You have? Over Christmas? No, I've been
1: the one looking after it over Christmas.
0: You, uh, do you, did you put new content in over Christmas? That's always a debate for such sizes, whether to bother putting new stuff up over holiday. No, what, was...
1: what I did instead was do best-of posts. So I went back through the year and picked out the you know, some of the big, more popular features we do and pulled them together into one big post. I did one of those a day
0: over Christmas. Did that affect the readership?
1: Well, yeah, lots of people reading and commenting. Seemed to be good. Oh, there you go. I mean, some works. bits and bobs. Other freelancers put some stuff in. So we had some bits and bobs going up over the holiday. Nathan did a post for us, which was good. Got lots of mm-hmm. contro- controversial traffic.
0: Controversial traffic. Mm-hmm. Which is the way you like to say it again? It's controversy. 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 That's better. Mm.
1: So, yeah, so it's been it's good and good. Although Jim's been handling the
0: like this week, so I've not been worrying. That's good. That's uh, good. Uh, you're still on holiday and then you're... Are yeah, you going today's, on...
1: my, today's my last day of the holidays.
0: Are you going on holiday somewhere this year?
1: Uh, no, I'm going to... Not yet. I'm going to GDC in March and we may try to um, pin a holiday up to one end of it. Laura may come over for a bit in San Francisco,
0: which would be nice. Oh, GDC. Yes, Games Developers Conference. Yes. It's hope that people still have conferences, isn't it? Not, not really, no. Oh, they've got... They've got Mumble that we're talking on at the moment, and they've got the internet. Why do they need to have conferences? Why do they need their flesh to be together?
1: It's quite hard to organise the 20,000 people on Mumble.
0: Well, I don't know. The 20,000 people are commenting online and talking on rock, paper, shotgun, and so on.
1: It's not really the same as attending lectures, is it? You go to your your silly little uh, Linux conferences.
0: Yes, but I admit that that's just sentiment now. At least I have the decency to admit that those are only needed in as much as it's nice because we're monkeys to be around some other monkeys but i'm not pretending no, I agree. that, no, that but you can't the, do most of the stuff without that that's
1: the point i'm making is i've never been making a point other than the fact that it's nice to be around other monkeys it's much Indeed, you've never play, made any ma- other point ever in your life it's much nicer to go to a lecture and be able to participate than watch a lecture online surely
0: Well, it depends. I mean, if the the person's mumbling and you can't hear them and the microphone's not working, whereas when you watch it online, you can fast forward through the boring bits and the sound's good. Really? Would you say that's still much nicer to be sitting there in the horrible stinky hall with the uncomfortable chair not being able to hear him talk boringly through the middle bit really really is that what you're saying (laughs) the good thing about gdc i discovered i went last year for the first time and it's like a e3
1: is is hateful absolutely hateful gdc is brilliant Uh, i really enjoyed it i picked a bunch of lectures i was just interested in rather than (laughs) would be good for writing about on the website because um that just thought that would be more fun and i went into one lecture that was just astonishingly boring so i just got up and left Good. That's all good. you have to do. Nice and easy.
0: Yes. I, sometimes I look at my watch or pretend I'm getting a phone call when I decide to leave a very boring talk. I sort of oh, uh, pretend like my, my my phone's been vibrating and I kind of hold it to my ear and rush <laughs> out of the exit. Um, but actually what I'm saying is, my God, if I stay in here for another minute, I think I'm just going to drop dead with a boredom of the situation.
1: You the other good know. thing is, of course, at GDC they have a press Wi-Fi, so I can just play games on my
0: tablet or whatever. I think that's rude. Well it's not rude you shouldn't do that during a talk, getting up
1: and leaving is less rude than
0: just distracting yes. yourself and being yeah bored. i yes I, I, I sincerely believe that if you're going to be in a talk, have the decency to be a part of that talk as the audience as a receptive audience, and if you feel you can't then leave so that you're not sitting there in some disconnected sort of way I but do i'm, gonna be, I'm going to be I'm going to be
1: taking notes on my laptop anyway while i'm there because i 'm working mm. and press so press
0: yeah, I would suggest that you should follow my philosophy with regard to talks. Okay. And I've always said this, it doesn't matter whether you're interested in the topic or not. That is the least of your problems. What matters more is whether the person who's talking is a good speaker and is enthusiastic. Yes, of course. If they're a good speaker and they're enthusiastic about their topic and they're engaging, then that's far more important than whether the topic is nominally interesting to you. And I've seen this bear out so many times at the conferences i go to you know you can be looking forward to a particular talk which answers your exact specific requirement both psychologically and technically and aesthetically you go there and the man is the most boring rantor ever and you can't wait to leave whereas you happen to sneak into a hall because it looks like somewhere comfortable to sit and the person in front <laughs> is talking about something of which you have no interest and you're completely bedazzled because of his or her passion in the subject. So that's what actually matters. Now, the problem is it's difficult to determine which is going to be which before it happens. So a good thing to do is to have a sneaky peek at them on YouTube first these days. If they've already done a conference.
1: That strikes me as just common sense, doesn't it? Obviously you go to... um, you know people are engaging to talk about you learn about something you didn't know if you're going to stuff you' you're, or you claim you're interested in you're probably just going to go and hear someone say
0: stuff you already already heard about
1: yeah far better to speak, hear someone speaking engagingly on a subject you have no clue about
0: Mm-hmm. well sometimes it also pays to be a little bit culturist stroke racist um at Fosdem if it's going to be a Frenchman. Then one avoids the talk uh, because uh, inevitably the French is going to end this. If you press the button over here, you could. And, and I'd like to say that sometimes that doesn't happen, but it always happens.
1: It's uh, since I've always found that interesting that um, when English people speak French, we always do a dreadful job of trying to do the accent, but we try to do the accent. Yes. Whereas uh, when French people speak English, there's absolutely no... i have said this is a ridiculous generalisation, but in my experience, very, certainly, very amongst rarely games, certainly amongst French games journalists, there's no effort to do the accent whatsoever.
0: Well, what is interesting is, I think it usually it, an English person who speaks French, um, the better they speak French, the more they try to do the accent. Um, so if they're fluent they'll really try to do the accent now it won't be perfect but you can hear they're trying that doesn't seem to apply with French people where, whereas they, they could speak English perfectly mm. but they will have absolutely no attempt at rendering the accent properly so they could be a, have, have a better grasp of English idiom than the average English speaker and yet they still be speaking like this
1: <laughs> I'm always also fascinated when Russians learn English they learn mm. perfect English, but they don't learn the. Um, I know any, it's just non-existent, but it, it's just yeah. odd
0: that it doesn't come in. Same with Polish. Articles are very difficult for Polish imagine, people. I, I, oh, my goodness. You,
1: I can't imagine trying to learn English. It's such an insane language.
0: It's easy. It's much easier than other languages. I don't learn. think it is. I, there are so much duplication the, yeah, and so much... Yeah, says, says, says John, who's tried to learn so many languages and thus knows. English is piss easy to learn. It's just difficult to master. Right, um, I think we don't have things like, for example, uh, gendered nouns. Mm-hmm. We don't have the problems with um, cases. You know, we've just got word order, so you can subject, verb, object, and you've got your you've got your word order. You don't have to worry about what's in the accusative and nominative usually. Um, yeah, except for who and whom, and let's be honest, nobody cares about that anymore. Uh, and in general, it's an easy language to learn in that respect. I will agree if you're trying to learn how to spell in it you're going to have trouble. Right, okay. And there are some exceptions. And then there are the, um, the weird past tenses like uh, I, I go, I have gone, I went. But that's the same in almost every other um, language. There are weird exceptions like that, including German and so on. German has all the idiocies of English besides spelling um, and so many more. So, no, it's not particularly difficult. Yeah, okay. um, but as can be told by how easy people seem to find to learn it. Uh, I know that it's also, that's a little difficult to say, because it's also, it's it's much more important for somebody to learn English than for somebody to learn, say, German or French in the current economic uh, realm, because of people speak English far more frequently, and so the impetus to learn yeah. it is far greater. But even so, you must have noticed that people do seem to pick it up a little easier, also probably through osmosis, because it's, because it is used so frequently all over the world and the words are so often heard, even if it's not your native tongue, I think it sinks in a little bit more. Whereas you have to really go out of your way to um, have German sink in, for example, I would I would suggest.
1: What would you say is the best language?
0: Um, what do you mean? Which is the best language? Latin. That's Latin. Sorry? Latin. I assume you say Latin. Yes. Latin's the best language because it allows... A certain precision that you don't get in most other languages and I enjoyed learning it now that doesn't mean that Latin doesn't have its idiotic bits and pieces it mm. has too many de- declensions and so on on the other hand what it does do it's very clever with and it allows a huge amount of flexibility combined with a huge amount of precision and that's good Which is your favourite language to listen to? Um Again, it depends what the context is. Um, I quite like listening to English because I can understand it quite well. So I, enjoy I mean, listening. I mean, I
1: think I mean more in terms of almost like <laughs>
0: music, like music. Funnily enough, that depends what music. If it's being sung, then obviously no, no, just spoken, just spoken. I don't know. Uh, some pe- people really like Italian, don't they? But mm-hmm. I think that goes too far. Yes. For i think that goes too far french i quite like the sound of sometimes but again that can it can little be a little bit too fruity um <laughs> I, I quite like the sound of china uh, uh, of mandarin actually oh yeah, yeah sure, sure sure and it is it's so because of the sing-songiness of it because it's an intoned language i hmm. i do quite like the sound of that um what other languages do I like the sound of? I quite like the sound of Scandinavian languages. I was going to say no-
1: Norwegian is definitely my pick.
0: Yes, Norwegian. And my brother-in-law's uh, girlfriend is Norwegian, and she was explaining how there are different ways that Norwegians pronounce things. So, like, some Norwegians will say Kristiansan mm-hmm. and others will say Kristiansan, you know, with a rolling in the back of the throat. And apparently that's a big, that's a, that's a big controversy. <laughs> As to which one you, which pronunciation set you use, and there are also various different sorts of Norwegian. There's the kind of the, the modern Norwegian and the older Norwegian and the book Norwegian and the unified Norwegian. It's it's weird when you start dipping your toes into the uh, lingua politics of another country that you didn't know existed. before. Yes. So, yeah, but no, I I do like the sound of uh, Scandinavian languages. I have to say, most of them. Some of them are a little odd, though. Um I think. Finnish is quite peculiar.
1: Well, that's why I like Norwegian. You've got. Um, I like the sound of the German language. Actually, I say that's so a kind of like mm. a second favorite. But Denmark pretty... is Denmark is much harsher. It's got much more of the German tone to it. Mm. And then Finland is just going. Finland toward Iceland is just going completely bonkers. Yeah. Norwegian just seems to be a good half. I mean, what Swedish about... is there too, but Swedish is a bit too, a bit too easy. I think. Mm. But but not in terms of it's just a little bit less. There's something about Norwegian that's just got that
0: extra leg. It's got a little edge. It does have, it does, uh, Norwegian's got the edge, doesn't yeah. it? A little yeah. edge. Yeah. Okay. So we've now proven with science that Norwegian is the best language to listen to. Fantastic. That's good. Yeah. Well, it, is that television program Norwegian, you know, the one that everybody always goes on about with a lady? Oh, in, The Killing. In, I've
1: never seen it.
0: Everybody goes on about it. Maybe we should see it. Maybe we the should. The lady with a jumper. <laughs> She's got a jumper. She does have a jumper. Yes.
1: Do you know, Nick, I'm not allowed glasses. Why not? Because um, I have an unfixable left eye and a perfect right eye. How is it unfixable? It's, I've got an astigmatism that was... Um, it's cursed. <laughs> when I was a young man, I accidentally killed a gypsy's dog. Yes. And uh, with my left eye... So this so no um uh, the optician did this amazing thing for me. I don't know if I talked about
0: this before. No, you haven't before. No, but you can get glasses with different lenses in them. You know, for one eye rather than the other.
1: But here is how it works. My um, when I was I have a rugby ball shaped left eye. So it's quite a severe stigmatism in it. That seems silly. I know. And so as a kid, this was identified, and they tried doing the whole patching thing. They patched my right eye, and they had the NHS brown glasses when I was four, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but. Uh, the optician proved to me that none of this was effective By showing me uh, this. They, they put, she, she put these glasses on That covered up my right eye And I could see a red light on the wall Then she uncovered my right eye And the red light disappeared mm-hmm. And the reason for this is It was a light that only my left eye could see And she was showing me that my brain Has learned that my left eye Is completely untrustworthy Mm-hmm. and should not be listened to if there's contrary data from the right eye. So when the right eye can't see the red light, the brain goes, well, obviously the left light's is an idiot. Yeah. Lef- the left eye doesn't know what it's talking about, so that light can't be there, so you won't see it. Right. And because of that compensation, there's no point in treating the left eye. The brain's already decided it's an idiot and isn't going to bother <laughs> with its information uh, if it's contradicted by the right eye. I have perfect, I have perfectly good binocular vision. I I'm I'm, don't have great long distance, but um, generally if I close my left eye, I can see things far better. Yeah, so my brain just, it's very clever, my brain just went, nope, left eye's a moron. But does that mean you have problems seeing in 3D? Nope, not at all. I mean, it means I have, uh, do, do do you mean like, do you mean 3D in the real world or 3D glasses? Well, either, really. No, no problems with binocular vision whatsoever, so it doesn't ignore the left eye, it just ignores it if the right eye completely contradicts it.
0: Right, and what about then? But 3D um, glasses, stereoscopic, yeah, can, that shouldn't work.
1: I can do it, and the, as a, as the technology improves, so does my appreciation of it. Red blue was a horrible; almost never could see anything through that. Um, now <laughs> with the real 3D stuff, I just get a headache.
0: Mm. But I well, but that's normal. Every everybody gets a headache, so you just have the normal reaction. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, have you have you gone to see the, the Hobbit YouTube? No, I tele? haven't. Have you? Yeah. Um, no, Victoria's going to see the Hobbit YouTube telly tonight. Why? I'm not going.
1: Why is she going?
0: I think she's curious. Is she going to see it in
1: 64 frames per second?
0: 48. Yes. 40 whatever it was, I've upgraded it to even worse. Y- y- yes, she is. Why? I, I,
1: there's, a, there's a perfectly good regular I, version at, at the cinemas to go see.
0: And I thought, you know, I thought it, she's curious to see what it looks like. And I thought, OK, well, maybe for a <laughs> 10 minute technology demo, yes. but not for a 27 hour long ball fest. To watch the first third of a film that could have been done in two hours. Or preferably not done at all. I hate Tolkien so much. I hate Peter Jackson so much. No, 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 no. no you, need digital to... photography you, you need so much and altogether that makes it a compelling idea that <laughs> I should go and see it.
1: I want to know why you hate... I, I, I'm not, I want to argue about Peter Jackson. I want to know why you hate Tolkien. Why do you hate Tolkien?
0: I hate Tolkien because his distillation of... Anglo-Saxon fantasy doesn't speak to me. I think we've talked about this before. It's not my culture. I'm not interested in it. Whoa! And, hello, uh, Mister Racist. And and at worst, <laughs> what at do you worst, mean? It's not your culture. You're not interested do with in me. it. So it's, it's it's your stuff, not my stuff. But and, that doesn't normally bother you. Well, it does. I just find it dull. It doesn't speak to me. It probably speaks to some inner troll liker of you. Uh, but I can't. St- <laughs> I, I find it dull. And worse, I find that. At best, it's the raw material for other things. Yeah, absolutely. Other better things. It's like, As I've said before, it's like eating all the raw materials without actually baking it into a cake, and that's what I feel about Tolkien. That's now, a good Tolkien, analogy, except Tol- for
1: cakes always taste better as, yeah. when they're mixed together before they're yeah. baked. Now,
0: Tolkien uh, also wasn't really interested in his stories or in the lands of imagination that he created. Why he... What he created these elaborate set pieces for was to play with his linguistic games um, so that he could play with elvish and that kind of thing
1: i 'm not sure that stands up because he wrote all this these huge works of background material and extra uh, all the setting stuff and yeah, all, yeah all no, no, stuff
0: I, I like yeah I mean it more in a, in a as a kind of a cultural uh, test to see if he could create these complex but ultimately utterly derivative cultures they're also he was also quite nationalistic he wanted to create an english national myth and that's what the hobbits were supposed to be and that kind of thing so i find him generally unattractive and slightly suspicious even i find his estate are absolutely awful oh yeah for sure um so i have no reason to uh support them or anything that they release uh, I was forced to read The Hobbit at school when oh, right. I was seven or eight uh, over a weekend, you know, because there was a set work and they forgot to tell us. And I hated every second of it. I mm. hate the characters. I find it uh, a twee, annoying, cloying, cliched and banal. And generally, uh, he doesn't speak to me at all. I know that some others, that's heresy, but, you know, I don't care.
1: No, no, I'm sorry. And I've, I've not read The Hobbit. I've read Lord of the Rings, uh, the first book of the three, and I hated every second mm. of it.
0: Yeah, I and Peter amazing. Jackson is awful as well. This
1: is the thing. Peter Jackson, why do you... Now, uh, sorry, sorry, I don't really have a problem with the whole talking thing. I was wondering whether you didn't like him because of the whole, the clumsy uh, uh, Messiah myth stuff going into all his work.
0: Yeah, but that's just a small component of it. That just gives you a flavor of what I don't like. Now multiply that by pretty much every okay. other aspect of his work. It's a, it, it's all rather clumsy. I mean, the whole notion of the ring and uh how it needs to be uh it brings evil and needs to be returned to its you know, Wagner did that with music mm-hmm. quite a bit earlier and as much as I find that tedious, at least it's got some good tunes, you know. Ride of the Valkyries um, is better than anything that uh, Tolkien wrote, so I prefer to watch that.
1: So, Peter Jackson, are you saying you hate Peter Jackson because you, Lord of the Rings onward, or do you actually slagging off his pre-Lord of the Rings stuff?
0: Well, I'll have to review his pre-Lord of the Rings well, they, stuff. I, mean, I think you will too find that
1: you'll just be so very disappointed to see just what he turned into.
0: Because I, I think his Lord of the Rings stuff is terrible, uh, and I really do mean not just for. I went to see it because I was told, oh, well, it's a spectacle, even yeah, if you yeah. don't like Lord of the Rings. But I didn't. I found the imagery was very dull, plodding, and unimaginative. Certainly, it was spectacular in the same way that a terrible uh, poster painting <laughs> of a big mountain that you find at the back of a charity shop is spectacular. <laughs> or the print on a big box of chocolates is spectacular but there was no subtlety there was no um interesting twist on the imagery it was just over layered over thick over saturated nothing of specific interest there to divert the eye it was just all sugary um advert for a cgi rendered version of new zealand and did, you, I did you see the no interest in that film? at all I saw, yes, I did.
1: Okay, because the first film, I agree with you on that. The second film, I thought, actually had some layers of subtlety to it. I thought the second Mm. film was a better work. The third film, I haven't seen. I kind of saw some of it on TV the other day, and it was not
0: gripped at all by it. And now The Hobbit is going to be even worse because it's basically all CGI, all digital now. Mm -hmm. And I can tell whether a director is going to be any good by how they have reacted to the digital transformation. If they are slightly sad about it, or they kick against it, then they're probably going to be good. Like indeed, the director of the Master and um, various other people who have done so. People like Peter Jackson and your your friend Lucas all <laughs> rush <laughs> my friends and Lucas all rush towards the webcams to make their movies. Okay, for his... and at that point, I know and 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 the CGI is just absolutely awful from what I saw in the trailers, anyway. Um, so he, he's at forty-eight frames a second, so you can see all the wobbling, yeah. shudderingness of it, and even worse.
1: Here's what you need Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson started off making movies on his weekends with his friends. Um, he did a film called Bad Taste, and he made the special effects in his mum and dad's kitchen. Um, every every special effect was model shots and, and rubber masks. There was no cheat. There was no CGI because it was so early yeah. and so cheap. And he created awesome. a genuinely, fantastically fun, daft horror comedy. He then yeah. did Braindead which is an amazing zombie film, well worth watching. It's got a scene where a guy takes down. I'm sorry, am I boring you? Typing away in the background there. <coughs> yeah,
0: you're boring
1: me. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so a scene where a man takes down hundreds of zombies with a flymo. That's well worth watching. Yeah. Um, he did Heavenly Creatures, which is a beautiful and extraordinary film about the uh, the two New Zealand girls that killed. Uh, that killed one of the girls' mothers, and then, then had a shared psychosis. They had a shared psychosis. I've heard of that, that's Heavenly Creatures is incredible and beautifully filmed. And again, uses an amazing, um, clever tricks for the special effects rather than CGI. It uses just brilliant ideas and smart innovation and stuff. He did The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox, which is a really fun ghost movie that starts off as a kind of cheesy ghost comedy and then gradually turns into a horror as it goes along. Just mm. a, a list of... He was, my favorite, he was definitely my favourite director right up until... And when I heard he was doing Lord of the Rings, I was absolutely oh. delighted because I thought... You know, I thought Peter Jackson taking this on. He's one of my—he's my favorite director. He's just made all these great films in a row. Oh, he did *Meet the Feebles* as well—a really grotesque uh, puppet film. Um, yeah, really fantastically interesting and weird and naughty and daft stuff. I couldn't wait to see what he'd do. And then, yeah, he turned—just seemed to change personality, lose all his skill, lose all his ambition.
0: Well, let's look at let's look at um, two of the directors who are in the vanguard of protecting and promoting analogue filmmaking at the moment, who who will use CGI, but really know its place. They still use film to film and defend that as much as they can and yep. so on. Uh, there is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. who directed The Master, and he filmed the whole thing in 65mm and even edited it photochemically. So uh, almost no film is done you know, with scissors anymore. And that's been... Uh, uh, and, you know, that The Master was about the equivalent of an L. Ron Hubbard type. If you haven't seen it... You, I haven't uh, seen it, no, but I want to. I didn't know he'd done that. And and, uh, and it's an extraordinary... It, it's very well-reviewed, and it looks extraordinary, apparently. who Who's the other director at the top of his game at the moment who's really pushing analogue filmmaking? And it might surprise you, it might not. I... Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Oh, right, OK, yes. Um, he used uh, IMAX cameras proper IMAX cameras to film most of the things where they are, the IMAX scenes. It's not just a blow-up or a digital reconstruction. And indeed, in the Batman films and in Inception, he tried very hard to do most of the effects in camera. Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, in Inception, where somebody suddenly starts walking on walls and the room starts spinning, he actually built a set where Mm -hmm. the room was spinning and things things like that. Um, So, you know, I, I have respect for that sort of imagination because it also speaks to me again in the same way that Brazil spoke to me. Uh, he didn't have the ability to do CGI d- uh, when he did Brazil, um, Gilliam, and frankly, thank heavens he didn't. Hmm. Can you imagine what that would be like if the flying scenes were just done, you know, with with, 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 with some rendering software, or or the sets had just been augmented with uh, rendered bricks and things like that? It, <laughs> it, it just... Uh, I'm not being sentimental about that because you know i like computers and i like computer imagery however at the moment it's a bit like in the early days as i've said of desktop publishing where everybody decided to use every font they could just because they were able to (laughs) yes people haven't learned a sense of taste yet i think and until they do they just vomit every idea they've got onto their gaudy canvas and that's what peter jackson and his ilk are doing at the moment i'm afraid it's your fault my opinion anyway yeah i know what can i do what can I do, John? I'll ban all computers, that's what I'll do. That's a good
1: idea. I'm just wondering what Sam Raimi uses for his movies.
0: Yeah but isn't Sam Raimi a bit rubbish as well now?
1: Uh he did a, so. he did a terrible Spider Man three, but uh no he's
0: not rubbish. You sure he's not rubbish? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Because Spider Man three was so terrible that um it, I wonder whether it's even um it might have cancelled everything else he's done. <laughs> Did you see Drag Me to Hell?
1: No, I didn't. That, that was episode. superb, and that was after Spider-Man 3. That was
0: very, very good. Drag Me to Hell. I'm trying to think if that was reviewed by our favourite reviewer and what he said about it. You know, our favourite reviewer.
1: I've forgotten who our favourite reviewer is. Mark Kermode. Oh. Who Remember cares him? what
0: he thinks. Well, you you still have a problem with him, then.
1: Well, yes, because he's a twit.
0: I I was bought a copy of his book, for Crimble. Good, the bad and the multiplex. Good, I'm delighted.
1: Drag me to hell was shot on thirty five millimeter Kodak Vision two two fifty D five two o five. Does that sound good to you?
0: Yeah, but then he did make Spider-Man 3, so that is a problem, <laughs> isn't it? Hang on,
1: cinematic... Pro- I don't know what any of these words mean, maybe you do. Cinema, cinema, Cinematographic process, digital intermediate 2K master format, Super 35 source format. Yep. Is that good or bad? It's standard. Right.
0: Basically, that's what I was saying earlier. They, they film it on Super 35, and what's interesting about filming it on Super 35 is it uses the whole square bit of the film, you know, and then they can then uh, and then they scan the film in uh and then they edit it on computer and that's how most of the things done these days um what was interesting about uh the master is that he didn't create a digital intermediate which could be edited on a computer he actually edited it photochemically literally you know making a print from the negative and cutting it up with scissors oh wow, that's amazing which is unusual these days uh but, yeah, the digital intermediate is the way you do it. Now, what's interesting about Super 35 as well is it uses the whole square frame. Mm. And then the widescreen is just selected from within that frame so they can reframe their shots. So they almost pan and scan their own movie in reverse. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And they've got the full frame that they can do anything they want with. Indeed. So there we are. That's, he's a standard filmmaker. But uh, have you heard of Oz the Great and the Powerful? Uh, no. I've just seen that. Oh, it's an upcoming 2013 film, Sam Raimi. Oh, it's based on the Wizard of, wonderful Wizard of Oz.
1: Oh, say, I say but- I haven't heard of it. I've actually got, I have actually—I was just reading about it on MTV. I hadn't taken in the full name.
0: Set before the novel of the 1939 film. I think that's going to be quite good.
1: A stage magician is hurled into a fantasy world and must use his wits to stay ahead of three enchantresses who have pl- plans for him.
0: Oh, dear. The film will be released by Walt Disney Pictures. Hmm. Don't forget, uh, well. forget that Walt
1: Disney Pictures aren't who Walt Disney Pictures were 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much the,
1: Pixar now.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. Oh, and this um, is good news because
1: this is where Sam Raimi went wrong. This is the curse of Sam Raimi. He was failing to have Bruce Campbell cameo in his films. Bruce Campbell is cameoing in Oscar *The Great and the Powerful*.
0: <laughs> really? Uh, so is that uh, that means it'll be all right then? That doesn't mean it'll be all right. Oh, good.
1: So, because so, because Bruce Campbell, um, you know, was obviously he did the Evil Dead trilogy with when they were you yeah. know when they were at college, and then as they grew up. Yes. Um, and so the mistake he made... Because then he did Xena uh, and Hercules as well and had Bruce mm. Campbell was in those directing and cameoing in them and
0: stuff. Hmm. Well, uh, do, are you still prepared to defend Peter Jackson then?
1: No, not at all. I have no defence for him at all. What I'm saying is uh, go to anything before Lord of the Rings and you'll have a great time. There's, he didn't make a bad movie before then. In fact, here's a thing that almost no one's heard of that you should definitely see. is a, mm-hmm. a spoof documentary he made called Forgotten Silver. Mm-hmm. Um, this was made a uh, New Zealand a TV channel in New Zealand was launching a new um, flagship documentary series, which they wanted to be this big pioneering thing for um, for their shows, and they ca- approached Peter Jackson to see if he was willing to do one, and he came up with this idea of doing a, a completely untrue documentary mm-hmm. about a man who had um, been an unsung New Zealand man, whom Peter mm-hmm. Jackson wanted to bring to the attention of the masses. To celebrate mm-hmm. him, because he was the person who, um, before anyone else, invented color film, mm-hmm. um, and he also uh, invented the airplane before the Wright brothers. Right, um, and he had these. He built this bicycle that powered his film cameras, and and and, they, and he also built. He was building this epic. He built this epic set in the jungle for a Mayan film he was making and built these pyramids and stuff. And, and Peter Jackson and a crew are off to try and find... The, the rumours are these sets still exist in the jungle and they're off to try to find them. The whole thing was complete rubbish from top to bottom. The guy never existed. <laughs> it was all a lie. But they presented it as absolute fact and put it out on TV. <laughs> the reaction in New Zealand was huge. People were just so delighted that this man existed. They couldn't believe it. Museums were contacting the news channel, the TV channel asking if they could get some of the things from the, the bicycle and stuff to exhibit in their museum. Right. And when Peter Jackson came out and admitted what he'd done, he was an absolute hate figure. They det- he was having death threats to the works. They, New Zealand turned and hated him for a short while after he did that. And you could buy the DVD of it, and there's, um, you see the documentary itself, and then there's a sort of documentary of the documentary in which Peter Jackson talks about what happened and how it all came about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. You watch this and you think, how can you be the person who made Lord of the Rings?
0: Money. Yeah. I think he probably just became cynical, I guess.
1: He also lost weight, you know. It seems that the oh, weight was a source problem. of all
0: his power. Yeah, that's that mm. is a problem. Whew. Okay, well next week we'll meet and actually do a proper one of these, shall we? I hope so. Okay. Um until then, shall we say goodbye? I should think so. Okay. Goodbye. Bye bye. Podcast at rumdoings dot com.
1: Uh, at rum's Doings. Bums. At rumdoings bum doings bumdoings is the hilarious spoof
0: version of this that someone's going to make one day no that's bumpooings. have you forgotten <laughs> that it's as craig used to call it <laughs> when he used to listen he bye doesn't bye ever bye.
1: listen in his life he just listened, lived in the house where it was being recorded
0: well he was forced to listen to it because we shouted very loudly that's true. through people. the door
1: <laughs> yes bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye bye-bye bye-bye